0: I've hijacked the podcast here. (laughs) Hi, everybody. Alvinator here from Mulligans and Hackers. And today on the podcast, uh, morning, wherever you are. Well, morning here, not wherever you are. We have Leah. No, I got it wrong. Leah. There we go. President and founder of the Alberta Golf Tour. Fuck. Did I not say that I was gonna screw that up?
1: You did. You called it.
0: That's okay. But here we are.
1: I'm oh, not yeah. a princess. <laughs>
0: <laughs> President, founder of Alberta Golf Tour. And as some of you might have seen uh through our posts, I have officially joined the Alberta Golf Tour.
1: Exciting.
0: It is exciting. I'm actually You've been
1: talking about it for a little while.
0: For a little while. And now it's happened and can't wait to see the schedule come out in the new year, so that me and my crew can pick and kind of sift through and pick our dates that we're going to kind of make our appearances at, make our debut at. And uh, absolutely, it is going to be a blast. I, I'm so me and Chris actually were messaging back and forth yesterday. We're 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 so excited. We're trying to keep the lid on being the the fanboy, you know, little yeah. so excited, you know, Christmas tree type thing. <laughs> <laughs> with going and doing this, but it's we're looking forward to it big time. So I appreciate you coming on, and I appreciate your time taking your Absolutely. time. Absolutely, come and do this with us. So yeah, here we are, Leah. Here we are. We got the the rookies, the twenty twenty four rookie, twenty four rookies. Yeah, and there's there's possibly going to be three of us, so that's pretty cool too. Yes. So Alberta Golf Tour, give us a little bit of background where it came from, um, what it's all about, and where we are now.
1: Yeah, so actually hard to believe that we're about to start our 12th season. Um, the idea came about about this time of year in 2012, and we launched our first season in 2013. So yeah, just wrapped up season 11 and now planning in heading into season 12, which is absolutely nuts. Like To hit double digits on that was incredible, and then it just keeps getting bigger and better every year, it feels like. Um It kind of came from a a bunch of us. There was a big national tour back then um, that we just, they were starting not to run things. They didn't seem to really care anymore. And as players, we could kind of feel that. And so after the national championship there, the one year, it's just like, you know what? (laughs) Actually, the complete honest story is I came home from that tournament and lost my job that day. And we had been talking at that tournament about just having something local in Alberta. And of course, I come home and get canned from the golf course that I was supposed to be a year-round employee at, but they decided we don't want you year-round. And all of a sudden, I had all the time in the world. So I was like, okay, so I start messaging some people. Were we serious about this? Because I got time to start something now. And yeah, here we are 12 years later. I kind of took what I felt like they did well on that tour. There's a lot of things that they could have done better that I tried to improve upon. And yeah, every year I send a a survey out to the players and I ask them if there's anything that I can continue improving on. I don't want to get complacent like they did. I know how that felt and and it wasn't good. So um, that is probably the most nerve wracking email I send every year. (laughs) It's like asking my players to basically give me a performance review every year and um, I don't know why I get nervous there's rarely anything negative on there but it's still I want to I still I get the butterflies and I still feel that way about the tour this like this year as I did that year so um, it's a flighted and I say amateur tour but at the same time I've allowed pros to play in the champ flight In the champ flight, they like the competition, so they don't care what kind of status they have. Um, And we've got five flights and pretty much, yeah, from all the way from like a plus, we've had plus five handicaps play um, all the way up to 26 or 28 may have been our highest handicap. And our D flight, just because of the big range, it can start anywhere between 13, 14, 15, all the way up to Thirty potentially the D flight is net just because of that big dispersion, um, but everything else is gross within your flight, and usually you're within two, maybe three handicap strokes of each other. So pretty even skilled in within each flight.
0: That sounds sounds like a blast! I'm so excited to get in and just get that first one done so that we can just get our feet wet into this thing. So, do you have? the the male and female divisions or is everybody just co-opt into
1: yeah no it's it's fully co-ed and he he, (laughs) that was one of the things that that tour had was a women's division and as someone who obviously competed in that um I I felt bad I was I was an eight handicap competing straight up against 23s so even me on a bad day I'm still beating them on a good day and that's not, that can't feel great when you're the 23 and, you know, you never really have a chance to win. They could have done what a lot of lady le- ladies leagues do and make it, I don't know, net or less competitive, whatever. That would have lost me completely. I don't want to play net. Um, I'm more competitive than that. And so the way I kind of work it with the women is we don't have a ton I wish we had more so if there's any ladies listening to this like absolutely come on out the guys are awesome and they are not the type of guys that are gonna be pissy about a girl beating them from a different tee. so when I'm setting up the tees for the ladies it's totally dependent on what their skill level is some of these ladies I mean we can if we want to talk medicine hat because I'm sure that's where a lot of your listeners from. Um, we had Becky Martin play one of our events. It was actually at Desert Bloom and probably our second year back in the day. She is more than capable of playing two or three sets of tees back, if not more than that. And competing with in the champ flight with the big boys, right? And then you have other ladies who are 18, 19 handicaps who are going to play the forward tees. And I try and match up um, the slope and the rating on the tee because you know they're rated for men and women um as equally as possible between the men and ladies in within each flight so if the guys are playing a 71.9 sloped at 135 i'm trying to find a tee on the women's side that's rated and sloped somewhat equivalent to that because it really based on their calculation should be about the same difficulty
0: that's, yeah that's interesting um Yeah, it must make for some really entertaining competition. And and again, you you can go play on the tour, in my opinion, just to get the experience and have the fun and still have that competitive side to the tour too, right?
1: Yeah, like there's no stuffiness. There might be a little bit in the champ flight. I mean, these guys are super, super good. Um, But even with them, I feel like they're the guys that used to compete in the stuffy stuff. Like they used to be you know, in the Alberta Open or the Men's Am and like these, you know, provincial championships where you got rules, officials following you around all the time. And it's like, just cutthroat. You don't talk to your playing partners. It's not like that at all. That's, there's enough tournaments out there that are stuffy and cutthroat. This is just more like, let's have a beer and have some fun. Like, yeah, you can actually have a beer on my tour. You can't do that in the provincial championships. (laughs) So yeah, it's, it's a lot more laid back and it's definitely competitive, but the camaraderie is the number one thing I would say.
0: And and for, for us in our crew doing our tour, I see some parallels there because you know, if we're doing a major in our tournament, and our tournament's just a, it's just a bunch of guys playing for for um, you know trophies that we want to win from our buddies. Um, during our event days, we'll have a little bit of fun. But if it's a major, there's not a lot of chat going on in the carts. You know, we'll we'll keep it pretty close to the to, to our to the chest how we're feeling or what we're doing. Um, so I remember our first year, um, personally. Before we played an event, I used to get butterflies because again, it's, you're going out and this this sport of golf, that, that's it's just you and you're going you can't, you don't have a teammate to fall back on, you don't have a group of guys to fall back on if you mess up, it's all on your shoulders and I remember the first year, it was like, you would get butterflies is like, am I going to play good? Uh, am I going to play enough to compete with my buddies and if they play well, then they're going to have the bragging rights and, and, you know and over the years, it's that you i've learned and the guys have learned that you, know, you just go play around and you worry about all the other stuff after so i think for us going and playing in the alberta tour it's going to be the same thing the first time we show up there's going to be butterflies and there's going to be 100%. okay because again we're a bunch of people we don't know we're gonna go play golf and it's all on your shoulders you know like i think i think I approach chris to this was and i'll and i'll put it to you as we talk about it we're going to get into the next of, of, of how somebody shows up and plays there, but I said, I don't want to embarrass myself. And Leah is going to have to explain to us what we do when we go to an event so that we don't embarrass ourselves when we show up because our golf game will do that fine enough for us. So, so we're, we're noobs. And so let's do an Alberta golf tour for dummies. So you go to your first event or an event in general, As a player showing up to a golf course, playing an Alberta golf Tour event, how does that work itself out? What do you do when you show up? What's the process for the player?
1: So I'm going to start this process five days before the tournament starts. I send you an email and I'm helping walk you through that in every single communication that I send you. And because I know, especially people that have never been before, they're thinking the same thing. Um, so it's when tournament you golf, event...
0: right? it, you know. In your mind, it's tournament <laughs> golf. You know, it it's 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 this formulated plan of term, tournament golf, and you know, you want to you don't want to be that guy that messes something up, right?
1: Yep. And you're going to show up, and you're going to be probably a little intimidated. There's big flags everywhere. We've got the tent. We've got the tea all set up. Like it's it's a bit of a show because that's how we want it to feel. We want it to feel like you're kind of playing on tour, right? It's not quite that to that level, but. Um, lots of signage, lots of big flags. You got the tent and everything. You've got the scorecards that are perforated. We'll get, we'll get into that, but five days before your event. So you register, you're on the list. And now I'm going to send you, I've closed registration a week before and now five days before I'm going to send you an email and it's going to kind of lay out. These are what the expectations are. Anyone who has ever played in an event, even if they've never made it to the event. If they have ever received one of these emails five days before, the first thing I go into is pace of play. It is the number one thing I care about. I don't I don't give a shit what anyone shoots in any of these tournaments. If you're keeping good pace. Continue. No worries. If you're uh if you're keeping good pace, I'm gonna be happy with you. If you're slow, I'm going to probably come and yell at you. I'm going to be nice the first time I see you and say, hey, you're a couple holes behind the group ahead of you. Did something happen? Okay. This is how we can do better next time in that situation. I'm going to give you a few holes to close this gap. And if that doesn't happen, then we're going to have problems. And then you close the gap and hope you never see see me again. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of pace in those emails, I'll also link you to the rule sheet, the Alberta golf tour rule sheet for you to look through, which of course has a page long pace of play policy in it, (laughs) but other things too, just kind of reminding you um, of certain rules, you know, where you can play two balls. If you're unsure of how a rule is supposed to be implemented. Um, And what we do on the tour as well um, in terms of, helping pace of play is we play what I call a forest fescue lateral. So, uh, in a linksy course, you know, we were kind of talking about desert bloom being linksy. Um, if you're hitting a ball into, and then there's heavily tree areas, like think in a spale or something, right. Um, we're going to use that line as a red stake And we're calling that a penalty area. So usually in those instances, you don't want to find your ball because you probably can't hit it. But even if you do find it, whether you find it or you don't, you know, it's in there 100%. You go from your point of entry, which it's important to remember, point of entry is not where you think your ball would have ended up once it entered the hazard. It's where it crossed that line. It's not 20 yards ahead. And then you can take your lateral drop from there because I just want people to have forward movement I don't want someone to have to go back to the tee ever 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 ever
0: that was one of the things we were talking about because we've we've played our own rules and we've adjusted our own rules as we've gone but we've never played with truly and we've never played with golfers who've who've played golf their entire lives and and they know the rules and and they can they can articulate the rules to you so we play our own version of rules and and again, when we're going to play something, we'll play somebody else's event, somebody else's tour, we, we want to know because we don't know what the rules are for playing for pace of play rules or drop rules, right? Because golf can yeah. be pretty stickly when it comes to those type of things.
1: Yeah, totally. And again, like the, the whole stuffiness, you know, I, one of my experiences on the, the other tour down at that national championship, I will never forget this because it. It really, it it hit a nerve in me that made me never, ever want to play tournament golf again. I just so happened to start my own tour after that, but I would have never played on that tour again after what happened to me. And I feel like this happens probably a little bit more on the women's side than it does on the men's side. But this lady, so remember, this is 2012. There was a rule change in 2019 that changed all of this. So it's now legal to do this. But at the time, I hit a palm tree. We were down in Florida. And my ball dropped down into a bunker, but the leaf that I hit dropped on top of my ball. It's a palm leaf. It's not just a normal leaf, right? Like this thing is huge. It's three feet long. And I know my ball's under it because I saw it fall. But I I have to move this leaf to see my ball. And this lady who was kind of like the reigning champion at the time, I think she was from Ontario, maybe BC. She's kind of like licking her chops over this like oh yeah yeah move that leaf right because I really I was so nervous to be playing in like this national championship it was really my second year playing tournaments I didn't I know the rule but at the same time I can't see my ball like I have no choice but to move this leaf now as soon as I moved it she was like at the top of the bunker just again like kind of licking her chops and she's like that's a two-stroke penalty Cause at the time you couldn't move these loose impediments in a bunker. I really, I had no choice. And what would have been nicer is if someone said, Hey, Hey, I know you're probably, you don't have really have a choice, but to move that leaf, but just so you know, if you do, this is what the penalty is rather than waiting for you to break the rule and then penalize you. I don't like that. I don't, I don't, I think that's dirty personally. <laughs> um, And so that's how I encourage the players on the tour as well um, to act and proceed in any sort of ruling situations. Is like if you see someone that's about to break a rule, maybe like stop them, let them know what the rule is, and then kind of let them know what the options are. You can't advise them on what you would do in that situation, but just you have an option to do this, this or this or whatever it is and then you can move along. Even when it was the year of the rule changes, when you went from dropping at shoulder height, which you weren't playing back then, really, um, down to knee height, that, that was years, decades of some people breaking that habit, and they would drop from the wrong height. And some of these governing bodies want to penalize people immediately for that. But it's like they're in a habit. They've been in this habit for decades. You cannot... Just let them redrop for free from the normal, from the height they're supposed to get them into the new habit. So there's just certain rules like that that I feel like need to be a little bit, I don't know. It's it isn't even just the rules. Just yeah. I mean, the the dumbest non-rule in golf is that you have to hit out of a divot in a fair way. I wish they would have changed that with this go-round and they still didn't. Um, but like, yeah, there's just and it's it's not even what the rule is. The rule is what it is, whether you agree with it or not. But it's also the way that the people you're playing with handle enforcing those rules. Sure. It's like let's let's be nicer about it and do a little pre-warning, and then uh, rather than be rude. <laughs> and go like this it's like i got two more strokes on you it's yeah. like great i'm shooting 114 but you just <laughs> shot 82 i'm glad you feel great about this extra two two strokes um <laughs> anyway sorry moving on with this email we're talking about pace we're talking about the rules and then in there also i kind of give i i can't promise everyone specific things but i do say if there's someone that you want to be paired with or if there's someone you're traveling with and you need to be near them in tea times let me know and I'll do my best. So any kind of tea time requests. And from there, then I send out the tea times 48 hours in advance, another spiel about pace of play and what position on the golf course means. And then the day of the event. (laughs) Now, Now we're actually to your question. So you show up and you'll see the whole show. And what we ask people to do typically first, and if if it's different, I will put it in both of those pre-tournament emails. Um, but typically when you arrive, I want you to come and check in before you go to the range so that I know you're there um, because sometimes people lose track of time when they're at the range. And if they haven't already checked in and picked up their scorecard, it's like, oh, well, guess they're no show moving along. And you know that happens. So definitely come check into the registration table first at your first tournament. That's where you'll get all the swag and everything from the membership that you bought. And um, you'll probably meet a few people right then and there because people are hanging out usually at the table talking after they've checked in or before they check in or there's a bit of a lineup, whatever it is. And um, if I see people who are like first timers or who have you know, not been paired together, I'll usually introduce them in that moment too. It's like, oh, you're, Alvin, you're playing with Sean here today. Like you guys will be in the same group or you're sharing a cart or whatever it is. Um, so that you guys kind of start to become familiar with, with each other as well. So then you go to your warm up, whatever that looks like you, that you're on your own there. Just make sure that you are at the first tee at, As the group ahead of you is walking away from it. Because I typically will have some announcements like reminding you again about pace of play. (laughs) Um, We'll usually do a little kindergarten exercise at that moment where I'm like, okay, let's see who actually read my emails, your position on the golf course is and then I make other people say the answer, which is one shot behind the group ahead of you. And um, then anything about drop zones, or, you know, if there's, casual water on the course, how to proceed with things like that. Um, and then any questions that people have kind of before they tee off. And then this is the most nerve wracking thing when it is your tea time. Um, as long as it's not a shotgun situation, you get your name announced on the tea. <laughs> <laughs> So that that one is 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 the exact moment where like people are nervous enough, especially coming up to their first tournament. But then all of a sudden it's like, all right, now on the tee from Medicine Hat, Alberta, we got Alvin and then people clap. And then you're like, oh, shit, how many people are watching me? And your hands are sweating and your driver's slipping out of your hands. And it's like a whole situation. Yeah,
0: The benefit to us in that moment is that we've played golf with different people that we don't know and with probably because of our, our where the tee box tees off at our home course there's always at least a dozen people there so we've we've teed off hundreds of times in front of a lot of people so i don't think that will get us too bad there okay. but yeah Perfect. we'll move off the tee pretty quick i'm not gonna lie
1: <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah you you play your event then you come in um so sorry, on the first tee, the other thing that'll happen is everyone receives their scorecard. You'll you'll get your scorecard when you check in. Now these are like your, your like tour level perforated. So it'll have your name on a scorecard, but there's also a, a removable strip at the bottom where someone else will also keep score. You on the first tee typically will give your scorecard to somebody else. What I prefer is that you all just kind of stand in, in a circle and like go to your right or go to your left and You don't have two people who have each other because there can sometimes be honesty questioned there. Everyone has somebody different. And then, so you're going to have someone else's scorecard. So you write their score on the main part of the scorecard. And then you write your score on the bottom strip. At the end of the tournament, and this one is so important, and this one's so important to learn. I have a little bit of flexibility with it again. But if you guys ever go to the level of a provincial event or... Or anything that has no flexibility. <laughs> um, a lot of bad things can happen here. You need to confirm your whole-by-hole scores. Now, when you're keeping someone else's score, it's also important, and we're teaching this a lot in the the junior ranks as well, right now, because there's so many issues where, you know, kids will, you know, maybe forget about a bad stroke or or try and get away with. Pretending it didn't happen, right? Um, they got a six and they're saying they got a five. So when you have someone else's scorecard, you are keeping their score. You're not asking them what they got after the hole. You can go that direction, but you need to know that number already in your head. And if what they just said doesn't match, then you need to correct it. Um That's a big way- thing. That'll
0: that'll be a big thing for us, is 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 keeping someone else's score (laughs) and it's going to be hard to keep somebody else's score without asking them after every hole what did you shoot there because i guess for us uh for somebody like me i'm so focused on my game that i'm not paying attention as much as probably i should to everybody else around me Mm -hmm. so you know, I see a potential for my first incident on tour right there, (laughs) right? Well, and you
1: can ask them what they got. And, and here's the thing, even after you finish the hole, you can kind of go back in your head and count their strokes. And again, you kind of have an idea in your head of what you think they got. You can ask them what they got. But if that number is like, oh, wait a second, what? Um, especially if it's lower if it's higher then you obviously just maybe missed a penalty stroke or whatever but if it's lower you gotta be like oh wait so ways that I've dealt with that situation and you know I think that people get into such a competitive mode sometimes that they like immediately go to oh my god this person's cheating I can tell you from experience I have because the scores were awful I have made a nine on a par four Where I thought I made a seven because I dunked two into a hazard and I forgot about the first one. I remembered the second one. Um, And I said I got a seven, and it was my best friend who corrected me. She's like, You sure you got a seven? And then I was like, Wait a minute. What do you mean? And I truly did not remember the first one that I pumped into the hazard. So sorry, penalty area. I'll get yelled at by by the rules people for that terminology. But I would not ever assume someone is cheating first. I would just assume that they forgot. And if it becomes a very common thing, then we can definitely have discussions about it. But I think as adults, we we're capable of having those conversations. And, and just what I like to do is, is we'll do it kind of after you leave the green. And it's like, hey, what did you get there? Oh, I got a five, but you kind of, you were expecting to hear six. And so before you even really like drive away completely from the hole, get out of the way of the group behind you so they can continue playing. But I'd be like, oh, I think I had you. And I was like, you drive and then your approach went into the bunker and then you flew it over the green and then you got on and you two putted. I had to sit and like, like describe every shot out loud so that they really can't argue with you. And that's, that's what I like to do is like, okay, let's walk through every single shot that you took so that we're all in agreeance here. And, and sometimes I'm still wrong. And, and sometimes they're like, oh no, that was my second shot went into the bunker, not my third shot, or whatever it was. Right. But there are ways to correct people without being crazy or rude about it. Right. Like you can still, and it doesn't have to make the rest of the round weird. Yeah. Yeah. It can just be a, a very, very simple conversation. Um, so then after the round, yeah, you're gonna go hole by hole. And what I like to see happen is the person, so say you had my scorecard. I want you to read me the scores that you had, and I'll check my little strip that I was keeping my own score. And you kind of go three holes at a time where it's like four, four, five, six, five, four, 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 three. And then you go on. You don't really need to do the addition. My scoring system does all the addition. And I hate actually, <laughs> if people have incorrect addition on there and a person thinks that they shot an 82 and they actually shot an 83. And I'm like, no, I triple checked the hole by hole. Someone just can't add. Then they're like, oh, damn it. And they're all disappointed. So, like, I almost prefer if people don't do the math that they don't know how to do it correctly, which is fine. Um, And then, yeah, you, so once you confirm that hole by hole, then both of you sign that scorecard, then you come and find me. Usually I'm inside at that point um, because typically most of the registrations also have $10 food and beverage vouchers. And so people will come in and eat after the round. And so I'll usually just go inside, inside the restaurant where everyone I'm hoping kind of gathers around me and everyone can start Talking about their three putts as they come in, and and that's where a lot of the camaraderie is also uh, made. Is kind of after those rounds when everyone's sitting down and having a bite to eat and a drink. So that's it. It's,
0: that sounds fabulous easy. Sounds fabulous. Sounds like so much fun. And I, and I know for our first event that we participate in, there's going to be some you know vlogging from us for 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 our for our socials as well um you know just to put it out there that we're doing this crazy stuff uh has you know three years of experience in the golf world going and going to doing this so um i am so looking forward to it like I, we're again stellar we're just so excited to see the schedule and for the for us as a crew to sit down and go okay where where can we make where can we make at least a couple of these events right because again we're down here in medicine hat the forgotten corner we're we're 3 hours away from calgary at least and so i'm thinking our events are going to be around there if we can if we can make that work um, but you said you've been down to desert bloom before and played a played a tour event at desert bloom
1: yeah it was very um, poorly attended which is why we haven't been back since unfortunately um, it seems like anytime we venture outside the qe2 corridor basically even if we go south of calgary um, north of Edmonton, our attendance just plummets. Um, we go from anywhere between 60 to 80 players down to maybe 30 pretty quickly. Um, you know, we've done Athabasca, we've done Barhead. Um, they're just a little bit north of Edmonton. I can't get more than 32, I think, to those ones. Um, and then we've gone as far south. I mean, Crow's Nest is a different story because it's a two-day major, Um, so we've had decent attendance there. But even that one, year one, we were um, just about at 90 players, and then year two, we dropped to 50. So, um, you know, people will go once, and some people will go twice, but not everyone. So looking into changing up some of those locations, it's, it's just so difficult to get the field that you want because that's you know it's it's more fun when you're actually competing against a full field right and i'd love to showcase some of these golf courses uh i love desert bloom i i think it's so much fun to play uh but it's just i can't get the numbers out there unfortunately
0: and that's understandable but maybe we can help start getting some numbers down here that's true um um, you know uh we have a little bit of you know we have a bunch of people that we play with so maybe over the next course of the next few years we can get a little more interest in from people from southern alberta at least going to calgary and then if we can get those numbers to a decent spot maybe in a few years we can get another event down here because more people from here will attend the event that totally. will keep the be up, right?
1: yeah very open to that
0: so, um we yeah. do have a
1: couple players from the medicine hat and brooks areas so um, and, and Lethbridge. So I know that, you know, they, they ask all the time if we can go down there, but the only tournament that I've ever had to cancel, uh, was booked at Picture Butte again, like in my second year, maybe third year, um, possibly the same year that I was at Desert Bloom. Um, (laughs) but like we were talking really, really small. I think we had 11 people at my Desert Bloom event. And the only reason I canceled picture butte was we had three people registered. So, um, you know, when you, that's not a tournament,
0: Yeah. (laughs) that's not even, that's that's not even a a foursome. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. So it's, um, it's been tough and we've definitely, obviously we've, we've grown more since, but even just trying to venture down, um, you know, we've gone to Nanton and Highwood, just, just a little bit outside of Calgary and, same thing, thirty people instead of eighty, so it's it's yeah. tough.
0: And again, you want same thing with us. We want more people to play, but you can't really you can't really go somewhere where the guys aren't going to go, which is kind of why we went from traveling out of town the first two years to playing in Medicine Hat all of last year, mm-hmm. right? And we kept we last year we kind of kept it to the core four guys, anyways. And for us as a small, small crew just getting into golf, it's fine with just having four guys go play around a golf and, and just compete amongst the four of us.
1: Yeah, just have something on the
0: line, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so that's that's cool. I, I like everything about it. I'm so glad that we actually you know made the leap to do this. Um, get our first event under our belts and see what else we're going to do in this. Because, again, we want to travel and do a couple of other courses as well. We've been invited everywhere across, like, Western Canada to come and play around with people. And it's like, I still work. So, first off, I have a job. And, you know, for me to get in a vehicle and drive to Manitoba to play in a golf round, just a golf round with a bunch of guys, is like, okay, guys, that's a little outside of my financial zone right now. Um, But this is what we're doing it for. The different experiences, the ability to go and play courses that we probably would never play Chris has played way more courses than I have because he goes to Calgary quite regularly because he has family there so so for him it's not such a big deal but um, for me who's never really left southern BC southern Alberta southern Saskatchewan playing golf to kind of go north a little bit to play some golf I'm I'm so looking forward to it
1: yeah it's going to be a great season we're changing up a couple full of the majors um so i guess i didn't really talk talk about the majors so most of the events are single day events um but we do have three majors throughout the season which are two days and it takes place on saturday and sunday because we are mostly all of us are working folk monday to fridays so i do as much as i can on the weekends um it's really difficult Um, in the cities so in calgary and edmonton to get anything actually on the weekend so you'll usually see monday events for those ones but central alberta got great relationships with a lot of the courses there and so in in central alberta we definitely are able to go on the weekends more often which is nice and with the majors uh we like to go to the mountains for those ones and make make a full weekend out of it bring the whole fam and
0: I kind of convinced, it's kind of how I convinced my, my wife to let me do this is, well, we can go for a weekend, just go for a trip for a weekend and just go and hang out. You can go hang out and read books and I'll go and, and, and play golf. And she was kind of like, well, that's not a bad idea. So, you know, I had to work on that as well.
1: Yeah, Yeah. No, it's, it's, it really, it works out perfect, especially with the majors. So our, our season opener is typically the weekend before May long, Um, unfortunately last year, and I think also for 2024, that also lands on Mother's Day weekend. So you really got to work on that one, but, uh, book her a spa treatment or something on the Sunday (laughs) to go. And, um, that one typically actually for the last couple of years, we just, because of conditions, uh, we've been going out to Invermere for that one, uh, playing at Copper Point. And, uh, this year also we for the first time since 2015 or 16 uh went back to the area um for our tour championships. so we were in sundry and we would do four rounds so two at the sundry town course two at coyote creek and it was great because i think both of those courses are amazing um they're both very different so they they play to a different type of golfer each day, but because you get two rounds on each, you can kind of redeem yourself whenever you have to. Um, but we just, I don't know. It was just starting to get, you know, complacent. I don't, I don't like doing the same thing that many years in a row. I want to change it up. And so last year we went back to Cranbrook area and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll have the the haters comment on, well, I thought this is the Alberta golf tour. Why are you in BC? <laughs> um, because I, the Mountain Standard Time Golf Tour does not roll off the tongue the same. They're on the t- <laughs> same time zone as us, as far as I'm concerned, which means they equal Alberta as as much as I can. I mean, it's three hours away and it's affordable mountain golf, right? Like you right. can golf there. What what was amazing to me is we did four rounds in Cranbrook with the awards dinner, with the big break competition, all these other things that we've always done, added in. For $30 cheaper for the registration than we had Sundry. So how do you argue with that? <laughs> you know, it's uh the I, I'm very cognizant of where the pricing is at as well. Like I would have never moved to Cranbrook if it meant people had to pay an extra hundred dollars because now they also have to travel an extra few hours and all the things, right? So it ended up Um, And the reason why it was cheaper is because we changed up the dinner a little bit. So we had always done a dinner through the golf course and I was having difficulties kind of arranging in in the price point of where I needed to be um, what this dinner was. And it's funny because half the people will camp and half the people will stay at a hotel. And St. Eugene specifically has, well, first of all, they've got the hotel, obviously. They also have a casino and they have a KOA campground there now. And the campers get access to the pool and the hot tubs and everything at St. Eugene. So it's just really a a nice central place for us all to gather. But the campground actually had a gazebo. And we ended up emailing them. Um, I was just, I was really, really struggling with this whole dinner situation. And I was like, what what am I going to do? And then I kind of thought to myself, and I, I messaged my husband. I'm like, what if we did like a cookout? Like, how fun would that be? He's like, no, because he knows he would have to do all the cooking. But uh, <laughs> I thought vibe-wise, atmosphere-wise, that's that's us. Like, that, we don't need some $130 fancy dinner, you know, inside some big fancy restaurant. Like, let's just have some burgers and beer and music and, like, let's all do this. And as it turned out, um, we did end up doing that. And even the campground manager was just like, I have never seen something so amazing in my life. He's like, that he wouldn't even charge it. He refused. He he quoted me a certain price. He's like, I'm not letting you pay. This is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And all of a sudden, he's like, next year we're going to have big screen TVs. We're going to have this <laughs> and this and this. And like, he's he's so so excited for us to come back there. And it was just like that's that's what I like. I don't want to go somewhere where there's like all these complicated issues and things like that. Like I want to go where they want us, which is why also you'll see a lot of the time the same courses on rotation on my schedule because those courses love having us there. And in my experience, you know, I do try and change it up, but there's just some instances where you can tell that we almost feel like an inconvenience to certain golf courses and they don't want us there and they don't want us in their restaurant after. And we're just kind of in the way. I don't like that. That's not a good vibe. That's not a, you know, you can feel that. Mm -hmm. So I think in terms of just everything on the tour, I'm very aware number one of, you know, where the pricing is at, but also what the vibe feels like, what the atmosphere feels like because that, is so important to the success of the tour and how people feel when they're there which sounds weird when i say it out loud but like mm-hmm. that's why you see kind of this following that i had someone once um i think it was last year on schedule release day tagged the alberta golf tour instagram account in in some meme video of basically it was like some guy dancing at some cult-like situation and he's like oh this is Alberta golf tour when they release their schedule for the season and at first I was offended you know we kind of talked about like having haters and taking it personally but then I laughed because I was like you know what like they can call the following cult-like if they want but they've not experienced like the reason the following is what it is is because they feel a certain way when they come out and they see the people and they're there. It's just, we, we create this amazing atmosphere that people want to be around. And for me, like well, we, we
0: important. saw first, the first year we started doing our thing, we, we saw it again, trying to, trying to just see what's out there in the golf world. And we really kind of wanted to focus in on Alberta. Cause again, that's where we live. That's, you know, that's what's important to us. And we found that and it was like, you know, I remember the first time I said it to Chris, this is something we should look into. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And we, because we were new and we are so much stuff happening and just trying to get stuff on the go, it's kind of like, no, nope, it's there. So then as our season ended, it was like, yeah, you remember next year is going to be that Alberta golf tour. And it's like, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe we will need to look at that a little more. and Because again, we see the vibe. We see, you know, we see the posts. We like the posts and, we share some of the posts because that's the environment that we like, you know, camaraderie golf. Um, and it was like, I, as soon as our season ended this year, um, it was it was the third guy, Jacob. Um, I've been on Chris forever, and Jacob had said that, you know, I think I'm going to try and attend one of these events. He says, I think that would be cool. And he's a bomber. He hits the ball a long way. Um, and as soon as he said that, Chris is like, Alvin, I think we need to do that on Alberta Gulf. I'm like, oh, so me over the last two years telling you we should do this, you know, you're kind of like, yeah, yeah, we'll eventually get to him. As soon as Jacob says he's going to do it, he's like, oh, we're in. Both feet, let's go and do this, right? It's like, oh, well, thanks. Now we can actually look forward to yeah, or look into starting getting finally, into yes. this now, right? Thanks, buddy. <laughs> so that's kind of how that progressed. But we're so looking that's forward. That's
1: awesome. To. And I'm glad that that comes through. I try really hard to to get that vibe to come through on my social media as much as I can, because that is, that is it. That is the differentiating factor. That is why you would play an AGT over, you know, maybe a provincial championship or even over just a club championship. You know, it's, it it's great practice for club champs. Well, again, um, so
0: we've got lots of for us playing down here at the course we play at for the last three years, you know, they don't have a club championship. We've played, we've played tournaments at the course, scrambles and, and you know, charity events that we, that are close to us, um, but they don't have a club championship. So, you, you can't go with the members and play around and, and get your club championship at where we are. So, we, we want, again, even at our age, uh, the competition keeps us, keeps us invigorated into the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I'm never going to be a scratch golfer. Probably, I, I, you know, we work a lot at our game, and we've gotten better over the years. But somewhere else, another level to go outside of our our structure, what mm-hmm. we have, our little group that we have, to go and play at somebody else's on somebody else's structure, in somebody else's structure, if that makes sense. And just you know, you're taking yourself and you're going to play. Because again, over the last couple of years, I, same thing, Leah. Um, I set everything up. So I'm, I'm making sure who's coming to, to the round. I make sure I have the tee times booked. And, you know, half an hour before the round, are you coming? Are you coming? And then I would have to go out and try and play around and compete against my buddies who've been on the range for an hour and a half. And I'm yeah. on the putting green for 20 minutes. And here I am still on my phone texting, hey, are you coming? Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. this past year, the, like, that's why we went down to like the core four. And anybody else outside of the core four that came, yeah, you got to figure your own stuff out. I'm not doing it because I need to go to the range. I need to get, like, when I, before we even go to the course, you know, there's a half an hour, 40-minute homework warm-up. There's the hour range session. There's a half an hour green time, you know, and I'm not texting anyone. You're here or you're not. So I kind of get that whole trying to organize stuff, right? And so it's nice. It's going to be nice to just, as individual golfers, go and show up to an event and go, okay, we're here. We know what we need to do, and let's just go do it. I'm so looking forward to it. I, I don't know if that's come across yet, that we're so looking forward to coming. I love it.
1: I, and I, I, you don't need to keep it on wraps that you guys are fanboys. That's okay. That's yeah, fine. I love that. It's going to be so much also, fun. But it's also, you know, for me, like it's not lost on me that that people, you know, especially ones that are not scratch golfers, the Champion, like, like those guys have won so many tournaments in their day. Their scratch golfers are better. Like they know what it feels like to win. I'm not that worried about them. That's why that flight might be a little bit more serious than the rest. They're they're not drinking beer on the course because of their nerves cuz they don't have any nerves, right? They're they've been there, done that. But in every other flight, it it's not lost on me that everyone is playing this because they want to win something. They want to feel like they're on tour and they won this golf tournament this is almost like a lifelong dream like as golf fans we dream of winning golf tournaments
0: and it's the experience i mean i'll I'll say totally and i'll say this however many times we talk about the agt for us as a crew just kind of like we're noobs in the golf the experience of just going and doing it it's going to be something it's going to be something that's again we'll we'll cherish for the rest of our lives whether we play down the road or not, it's just that first event to go and get in or get our feet wet. It's such going to be such a cool experience.
1: It will be. And there's, you know, the, the best thing about it is any anyone can win their flight. Right. So like you're going to go in, I actually tell people, you know, you might not have as, as large of a learning curve, but I tell people sometimes who are, you know, especially if they're embarrassed by their score on their very first tournament, <laughs> I've seen it all. I've, I've been doing this now for uh, over a decade. I've seen it all. I've seen a champ flighter shoot one fourteen before in their rounds and their scratch golfer, right? Like um, nothing phases me. And I don't judge that guy. I know he still follows us. He's never been back since (laughs) I remember you by the way, but um, you know, he, I think he, he was a little embarrassed obviously by the scores that he shot, but you just, for me, what I've noticed in my time doing this is it can take you like six tournaments. That's, that's the number I give people six tournaments to mellow out the mental stuff.
0: I'm
1: going to tell you a quick story. And I do not recommend that anyone does this, especially if they're not, if they are driving, I was not driving this day. I had a tournament at what I would have considered my home course at the time. And the morning of the event, someone had an injury that re-inflamed overnight and they couldn't make it. And I was like, well, I'm going to get charged for this guy now anyways. So I'm going to throw myself in his spot because he was right at the end. It was a crossover. So we only had eight groups on each tee box. Pretty easy, um, pretty easy day. And so because of my nerves, <laughs> um, I wanted to have a couple drinks maybe before I hit my first tee shot. Uh, but I also was sending off groups on the tea box and announcing everyone's names. It was a really hot day, and it was also a day that I realized that you know, like Contigo water bottles. Oh, it's on the other side of the room. Those Contigo water bottles—they're they're, they're seven hundred and fifty mils, and a bottle of wine is also seven hundred and fifty mils, <laughs> <laughs> and it fit perfectly, uh, and. <laughs> <laughs> Needless to say, in between groups, I just kept sipping, right? And by the time my tea time came, my bottle was empty. <laughs> so I had drank, because of my nerves, an entire <laughs> bottle of wine before I hit my first tea shot. So just, so, just
0: so you know, the video short that I do before we put this episode out <laughs> is going to be that story <laughs> right there.
1: Oh, God. <laughs> not Do not try this at home or, or on any other golf
0: Public course. service announcement.
1: Yeah. And you know what? I made a 10 on that first hole because it's hard. It's a very difficult hole. But outside of making a 10 on that hole, um, I shot 93. And I was okay with a 93 with a 10, with an opening 10. Um, what actually ended up happening that day was I was so drunk by the time I teed off that I didn't know what I got on the hole because there were so many shots. And the guy keeping score for me, I was like, I don't know, man. I was like, I think it was a nine or a 10. He's like, I had you at a nine. And I was like, okay, sure. Right down a nine. And later when I sobered up that night, I was like going through all of my shots in my head. And I was like, no, no, I definitely made a 10 on that. And I ended up having to DQ myself for signing for a lower score. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely do not, do not do that at home because uh, yeah, just a terrible idea, that's but you can still have a drink to calm your nerves, but maybe not an entire bottle. And of that's, wine.
0: that's one of the things like about our crew that, that plays, it's funny. Uh, you know, we've played three years of a lot of golf now. Um, and I think in those three years, I've had three beers on the golf course. We, we don't, we're not heavy drinkers and we don't drink a lot anyways. And yeah, so that's not something that we're into anyways. It's going to be a lot of water. No,
1: no entire bottles of wine.
0: No entire bottles of wine and in, in water bottles to to calm nerves. No, none of that stuff.
1: Okay, deal. And the thing is, the nice thing about the two or two is I feel like I know, unless they're brand new, um, I know the players so well and I know personalities and I know you know, where people are from and things like that. So I've done a lot of like friendship matchmaking on the tour where people now, they went into an event not knowing anyone. And now they've got like a bestie that they're attached to the hip with, right? You know, for example, there was... uh anyone basically from the Maritimes. <laughs> I will always, I will always try and pair Maritimers together because there's just a certain bond that you guys have and there's a certain way that you speak. And yeah, <laughs> I kind of saw that. I figured as much. Yeah. Um, And it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter if it's Scotia and Brunswick or like, it doesn't matter. You guys just have your own world out there yeah i I was born born and raised there yeah i
0: I moved away when i was 19 i moved to alberta and i've never left i've been home twice since i moved away and it's hard um my wife will tell you um it's still home i've been in alberta for over 20 years um 30 years wow i try not to think about it but (laughs) i I still to this day newfoundland is home and will always be home and when I die, I will be buried there. There is, there is just, it's unavoidable. And I told her, I said, yeah. you know, cremate me, but you got to take my ashes back there because if there is an afterlife, I said I will not be at rest unless I'm there. Totally, and, and that's, I, just that's the way it like it
1: is. the yeah, that's the same
0: and, kind of and feeling that
1: I get from anyone. I mean,
0: I don't want to go down this path of, of of provincial pride or anything, but yeah. Um, uh, being born and raised in Newfoundlander, I'm always, always will be a Newfoundlander. Like, I, ha- I only have one tattoo, and it's literally the Newfoundland flag. I mean, and talk to anybody from Maritimes. It's, there's just that connection to the sea, the land, that doesn't yeah. translate out to the western part. I And I will not criticize anyone for their provincial patriotism or patriotism than Canada in general. But being from Newfoundland, we were our own country, and my parents remember it, right? So. Mm-hmm. It's that that culture of growing up that way is just—I don't know—it's just seared into your every essence of your being.
1: Totally, I've made them actually teach me some of their, um, some of their words, some of their language, because I don't
0: know what the hell they're
1: saying half the time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: I've I've become pretty good at hiding. I can't
1: tell that you're an Easterner, like your right? accent. I, I've been pretty and, I, I, like, I'm pretty yeah. good
0: at hiding the the accent, but. Like, I'll talk to a relative from back there and my wife, you can just see her over looking at me going, I have, I have no idea what you're talking about. No. Like, I have never heard you speak like this, but it's just, you immediately go right back into, you know, your and der and come over here and yeah. And all that yep. stuff. And it's just, yep. it's so natural. I get
1: yelled think. at all the time for calling it the Alberta golf tour or a tournament. They, they don't like that. They don't <laughs> It's not a tour. It's a tour. Tour, yeah.
0: yeah. Welcome not to the tour. tour. Yeah, yeah exactly. Tour. Yeah. It's a
1: tournament. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. No, we, we have a lot of cool. mints about that one. but
0: That's cool. Well, yeah, I'm not going to take up any more of your time. I really appreciate you doing this and coming and having a chat. Absolutely. and You know, even stoking the excitement a little more. Uh, I'm pretty sure Chris and, you know, some of the other guys are going to watch this podcast and go, geez, that sounds like a really good time. So maybe we might even get, you know, convince a few more to come and, and do this with us. But it's been a blast and um, we will see you down the road.
1: Absolutely. And Thank maybe we'll even me. do
0: this again further down the road and yeah, we'll chat about our season. our experience.
1: Awesome. I love that. Sound like a plan? Yeah, you betcha. All
0: right. well, you take care and we'll Thanks, chat to you later.